Hello everyone, this is Jim Lucy, Editor-in-Chief for Electrical Wholesaling Electrical Marketing with the July 26th edition of today's Electrical Economy Podcast sponsored by Champion Fiberglass. The company began producing epoxy fiberglass conduit fittings in 1988 and in 1989 developed the first conduit from epoxy resins that had flame resistance and low smoke characteristics. This met the most stringent codes and specifications. In today's broadcast, Listeners are going to learn about the electrical products that have seen the biggest increase in prices over the past year. We'll also be highlighting the local metros, the biggest increases in single-family and multifamily building permits. As always, we'll review some of the key weekly economic indicators that will give you a sense of where the electrical economy may be headed in the coming weeks. These indicators are the initial unemployment claims at the state level, rail freight car traffic, the Baker Hughes rig count, oil prices, and copper prices. Our thanks again to Champion Fiberglass for once again sponsoring the Today's Electrical Economy series of podcasts for 2021. We're delighted to be working with Champion. In the week ending the July 17th, the advanced figure for seasonally adjusted initial claims was 419,000. That's an increase of 51,000 from the previous week's revised level. The previous week's level was revised up by 8,000 from 360,000 to 368,000. The four-week moving average for initial unemployment gains was 385,250. That's an increase of 750 from the previous week's revised range. This advanced seasonally adjusted unemployment rate was 2.4% for the week ending July 10th. That's unchanged from the previous week's revised data. Now let's take a look at the 10 states that had the biggest decreases in their initial unemployment claims for the week ending July the 17th. Top of the list was New York with a decrease of 11,031. Number two, Oklahoma, 4,225 fewer claims. Tennessee came in in third position with 3,507 fewer claims. And Georgia with 2,669 claims. Alabama had a nice decrease too with 1,505 fewer unemployment claims. And Oregon was the other state with over 1,000 fewer claims at 1,048. Other states that showed some pretty significant declines in claims were Maryland, Massachusetts, Mississippi, Connecticut, Delaware, Arizona, Arkansas, and North Carolina. On the flip side, there were some states that had some pretty sizable increases in their unemployment claims. Topping this list was Michigan, which had an increase of 13,083 claims, Texas with 9,946 more claims, Kentucky with 8,898 claims, Missouri with 5,591 claims, Illinois showing an increase of 33,323 claims, Ohio with 2,204 more claims. In the number seven position was Pennsylvania with 1,972 more claims. Florida in the number eight showed an increase of 1,351 claims. And the other state that had more than 1,000 more claims from the over the previous week's data was California that showed 1,334 more claims. Other states that had some significant increases were Rhode Island, Wisconsin, and Virginia. Now let's take a look at a pretty interesting indicator for the overall U.S. economy, freight rail traffic. It measures the amount of raw materials and finished goods that are being shipped by rail. The best source for this data is the American Association of Railroads, or AAR, which publishes this data weekly. For the week ending July the 17th, total U.S. weekly rail traffic was 513,255 carloads and intermodal units, which is up 6.6% compared with the same week last year. For the first 28 weeks of 2021, U.S. railroads reported cumulative volume of 6,400,000 carloads, 
448,125 carloads. That's up 9.3% from the same point last year. When you measure intermodal units, which are those shipping containers that you see on ships, rails, and on trucks, they were up 16.3% at 7,851,547. When you take the, when you combine those intermodal units with the other carloads for the first week of first 28 weeks of 2021, there was 14,299,672 carloads intermodal units. That's an increase of 13% compared to 2020. Not too bad. Only two freight categories were down on a percent basis year-to-date compared with this time last year. Petroleum and petroleum products, which were down 4.1%, and non-metallic minerals, which were down 3%. At 26.4%, metallic ores and minerals and motor vehicles at 21.2% increase were up the most. If you track the oil market, you might be familiar with the Baker Hughes rig count. This gives you an idea of the number of oil and gas rigs that are operating. It's available weekly, and the data is available on the state national and by basin at www.rigcount.bakerhughes.com. This slide gives you an idea of the largest oil and gas deposits. It gives you a good sense of just how many of those large oil plays are in Texas and Oklahoma. Also, how big an area the Marcellus gas region covers in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and parts of West Virginia. There was relatively little change in the Baker Hughes rig count over the past few weeks, but there continues to be some slight movement in the right direction. On a total annual basis, the increases are more substantial, although the data is being compared to 2020's very low number of rig counts. As a whole, the total U.S. rig count is up 231 rigs for 91% change over last year at this time. Most of the increase has been in Texas, and the biggest chunk of those increases is in Texas Permian Basin, with 114 more rigs and a 92% increase. The Haynesville Basin, which spreads throughout Texas and parts of Louisiana, added 17 rigs from last year's total for a total of 49 rigs. And the Eagle Ford Basin in Texas added 21 rigs for a total of 32 rigs. Since early June, oil prices have spent much of their time above $70 per barrel. That's a pretty high number when you look where it's been over the past two years. For most of 2021, before June, the price was in the $60 per barrel range. Economists like to call copper pricing Dr. Copper. That's because it's a leading indicator for future economic activity because it's used in so many different industries. The construction industry is among the leading markets because of its use in wire and cable and copper plumbing pipe. Economists are watching copper prices closely right now as a sign of inflation, too. Copper pricing remains above $4.40 per pound. John Gross, the publisher of the Copper Journal, and the copper industry analyst for the better part of 40 years writes regularly for electrical wholesaling. He says it's tough to forecast whether or not the current elevated copper pricing levels will stick around because there's not very much accurate data on the existing copper inventory in China, the world's largest consumer of copper. However, he does believe that the long-term prognosis for copper will be higher prices because of the expected increase in demand for copper in electric vehicle batteries and the reconstruction and hardening of the U.S. electrical grid. Now let's take a look at one of the big topics of conversation in the electrical market right now price increases for some very core electrical products. The chart here is information that we compile for the Electrical Marketing's Electrical Price Index. That's available on a monthly basis to subscribers for only $99 per year. You can subscribe to get this pricing information at www.electricalmarketing.com. Just look for the subscribe button and we'll get you all set up there. Let's take a look at some of these increases. The total index for about 17 different electrical products over the year is up 13.4% year over year. 
leading that charge, you've got Poline Hardware with a year-over-year -year increase of 54.6% and an incredibly huge increase over the past month, June from May, of 29.2%. Also showing large increases uh, from, over, from the May data would be ballast at 23.5% and a 26.9% increase. Uh, I've been looking at the and working with the electrical price index for probably tw well, more than 20 years. And in most months, you'll see an increase uh, on a monthly basis of maybe about 1%. But let's look at some of these other increases for some of the very big products. How about power wire and cable? So over May to June, 9.7% increases. Electrical boxes, 5.3% and a 27% year-over-year increase. You've got condom increases, 3.3% and a 32.6% increase over the year prior. You've got non-metallic conduit, 3.3% increase for the month. 26.5% increase from a year ago. And building wire, which is certainly one of the materials that you see the biggest uh, pricing swings in, uh, compared to this list, a relatively low increase month to month at 2.2%, but a 33% increase over a year ago. Now let's take a look at some of the business activity in one of the hottest sections of the construction market for 2021, housing. With five months of building permit data now in the books from the U.S. Census Bureau, we get a pretty good picture of some of the trend lines for single-family and multifamily building. Nationally, single-family building permits were up 28% through June. The local building permit data is only available through May, but it shows some rather huge increases from some local metropolitan statistical areas, or MSAs. As you can imagine, most of them are in the Sun Belt. Let's look at some of the markets with the biggest increases in single-family building permits over May 2020. Number one spot, and for, to no surprise for Texas markets over the past years, have always been among the market leaders for residential activity. The Houston, Houston Metro had 6,476 more single-family building permits through May than it had at this point of May 2020. Following right on its heels, you've got Dallas with 6,474 building permits. I mean, that's just massive. Atlanta showing some huge activity as well. An increase of 5,132 building permits. Uh, for you, those of you who follow single family construction, you're probably not surprised to see Phoenix in that spot, uh, that one of the lead spots too, with an increase of 5,000 building permits. You've got Austin, increase of 3,100 building permits. And San Antonio, 2,447 building permits. Uh, coming up in the next three positions, you've got three markets in Florida with Jacksonville, uh, 2,144 permits, Tampa, increase of 9, 1,991 permits, and Northport, Sarasota, and Brandon with 843 permits. No surprise there if, you, if you've been following this market, Texas and Florida are always among the market leaders. Also markets that showed an increase of more than 1,000 single-family building permits through May. You've got Minneapolis, Denver, the New York Metro, Nashville, Sacramento, Raleigh, and Cape Coral to Fort Myers, Florida. Now let's take a look at some of the hotter multifamily housing markets. I've got some new names here compared to the single family activity. Leading the list so far this year is the Philadelphia, Camden, Wilmington, Pennsylvania Metro, which covers large parts of Eastern Pennsylvania, South Southern New Jersey, Delaware, and parts of Maryland. You have that Metro in with 4,575 more building permits, excuse me, more multifamily building permits than the year prior. Number two spot, Denver with 3,570 permits. Austin, also on our single family list there, 3,144 permits. You've got Dallas there with 2,665 permits. 
other large leaders there. We've got the Washington, D.C. Metro, a lot, very often a in, uh, leader in multifamily building permits, coming in through May with 2,623 permits. Nashville, also mentioned as our single-family leader, with 2,354 permits. Tampa, also on that list, 2,172 list. Finishing out our list with some rather large increases, you've got the Long, Los Angeles, Long Beach, and Anaheim market, over 2,000 permits. Jacksonville, Florida, Boston, 1,700 permits. You've got Seattle, 1,700. We mentioned New York, New Jersey, that, that metro, you know, with single family, also in, on the list through May, 1,500 more permits. Provo, Orem, Utah, on the, uh, just facing the Wasatch Range near Salt Lake City, 1,356 permits. And Raleigh Carey, also on our single family list of leaders, 1,211 permits. And Minneapolis with 1,150 permits. Also, Madison, Wisconsin, just over 1,100 additional permits. That wraps things up for today's podcast. Special thanks to the good folks from Champion Fireblast for sponsoring the Today's Electrical Economy podcast series again in 2021. Please contact me if there's any other type of economic data you would like us to cover in these podcasts. Our next presentation will be on Monday morning, August the 9th. Thanks again for listening today. Be well, be happy. Look forward to talking with you in two weeks.